You are listening to Behind the Horse's Eyes on the Illiterate Podcast Network. Most of us these days live very busy lives between balance and work, our farms, our horses, individual needs. Time slips away from us very quickly. And if you're like me and you love to read, that leaves very little time to read. But I have a solution, and that's Audible. Audible has hundreds of thousands of books right at your fingertips in audio format. You can now find me most days around the barn with my earbuds in. Or maybe when I'm at work and it's safe to do so, I'll be listening to the book that I'm currently listening to, which is Sergeant Reckless, which is the true unprecedented account of the United States Marine Corps' most not only most decorated horse, but most heroic horse. And I'm going to do you another favor. If you head on over to audibletrial.com forward slash Chastain. You're going to get 30 days of Audible free, plus a free audio book of your choosing. And if you decide Audible is not for you, and you want to cancel within that 30 days, guess what? You get to keep the book. And there's no obligation for you to carry on your subscription if you don't want it to anymore. Let's say you get a subscription, you've had it for a few months, and you decide, you know what, it's not for me, and you've got three or four books that you've purchased. You get to keep those too. Also, you acquire points every month, and you can use those points to buy more books. Most books are one or two of those points. You're going to get one point every month just for being a member. So head on over to audibletrial.com forward slash Chastain today. There will be a link in the description of this episode, and go get your free audiobook. And welcome back to another episode of Behind the Horse's Eyes. I am always your humble host, Ryan, and we have got a special episode for you. We are joined by the roundtable of mediocre horsemen. We've got Hannah Schroeder, Jessamine Rice, Heather Hullett, Flo Smorgoner, and we're going to do your recap of the 2020 Kentucky Derby because it took every one of us by surprise. 80 to 1 odds, Rich Strike. Everybody had their favorites, and I'm going to tell you right now, nobody had Rich Strike, considering Rich Strike. We didn't even know Rich Strike was even going to be there till Friday. Heather Hullett was there. Flo yeah. is like our resident racehorse expert. And then me, Jessamine, and Hannah are just kind of on the outside looking in. Even though I watched it, I was completely inebriated at the time, but I said a lot of woos. <laughs> you became what we call in Tennessee a woo girl, but a woo boy. Yeah. So first of all, we, we gotta start, we gotta start with Heather. You were there. When Rich, yeah. when Rich Strike made that final pass off the rail, he went outside. I mean, Ugh. you said the roof come off of that place, even though it doesn't have a roof, but you said it was the loudest oh, you've ever it, heard Churchill Downs. It was absolutely insane. I mean, a lot of it was like, who the f- my bad. I did the- I'll just mark it explicit. It's okay. Oh, good. Yeah. So a lot of people are like, look at that. And then other people are like, oh my God. And 
it just the crowd erupted people are screaming and yelling and everybody's like go 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 it was probably one of my top five derbies i've been to i that's mean that's awesome it it was one of those that just and it's it's really funny because it kind of reminded me i believe it was 2005 when giacomo won because he was at 50 to one odds and it was really interesting when Giacomo won because he was kind of another case where it's like he shouldn't have been there and there he is a fleet Alex is like coming down it's everybody's like go Alex go Alex everybody wanted a fleet Alex to win I don't know if you know the story behind Did we just lose? Did we just lose? There she is. No. Have you not been hearing me? You did. We missed everything. We heard everything all the way up until a fleet Alex was. And then that was. Yeah, that was it. Okay. So in 2005, a fleet Alex was on the lead and he was coming up like he was fixing to win it. And he has this great backstory with his name. He's tied to this thing called Alex's lemonade sandwich. Um, Research or not researches what is the word i'm looking for raises oh my god i think i'm still drunk i mean <laughs> churchill downs will do that how much bourbon did you drink that's what i want to know oh it was hurricanes it was all hurricanes oh no no you gotta have mint juleps it's the derby have you ever had a mint julep i have it's awesome but i also no, love they're, bourbon they're pond water you they're are the only water they're disgusting we drink one a year just to get the glass and then we don't ever do another mint did you know that there was a 2500 mint julep at churchill downs I didn't know that. And I've been with a, there. Yep, with a sterling silver straw. Jesus and it, Christ. That's insane. Well, you know, mine that bird in 2019, right? Was a long shot, was not supposed to win. Right, right. There's been a few of them, but, but with what I was saying in 2005 with Alex, um, when he's coming up, all of a sudden Giacomo kind of made the same move. It's like he come from out of nowhere and just like, shh past him and everybody's like what just happened well i can tell you right now watching it and i'm pretty sure i can speak for speak for flo schmorgoner too is that we're sitting there watching it and we just see our horse just run out of gas and not just run out of gas but might as well just stopped and stood still it was it was so incredibly disappointing but (laughs) it was sad (laughs) but let's be honest going half a mile and i think it was 45.36 seconds that is one of the fastest paces by a pack in god it might be one of the top five fastest paces ever i honestly think it was and in his workouts in the last workout that i saw he was doing a half in 47 so oh my god that blazing speed and as soon as they turned for home i was like there he goes off he went crown pride just didn't have it in him at that point no, it reminds me a lot of watching one of my favorite horses, this local horse, Palace Malice. And that horse came out the gate strong and led half the race and then fell flat on his nose. He just didn't have it. He didn't have it in. If it was, if it was a, a one-mile race, Palace Malice would have won that day. But unfortunately, it is a mile and a quarter at Churchill Downs, and yeah. Can we well, talk? Can we talk about this drone footage? By the way, if it, has anybody yeah. watched the drone footage where they track? Is amazing. So one of my, I didn't actually get to watch it in real time, but I got to watch the recap of it. And the first recap I watched was the drone footage. And my favorite thing about it was that even the announcer couldn't see Red Strike coming. No, coming from. 
I mean, until the very last second, he was like, oh my gosh, here he comes. But if you watch, and it was like Flo and I were saying before we started the episode for you guys joined us, we were sitting in, in the Zoom here, and we were talking about the jockey, Sonny Leon. Never been to a derby. Hat, was the 11th ranked jockey in the country. Um, the, he was the uh, number one jockey in Youngstown, Ohio, at that track there. I forget the name of it. I'm sure somebody's going to be screaming like in a review or something. It's this track. You might know. You, you, Jessamine, you're in Ohio. Yeah, I should. I've been there before, but I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. But anyway, so he's like the number one jockey there. So he's not a no name jockey. He's just hasn't raced. And he's raced at Churchill Downs, just not in the Kentucky Derby. In fact, he's got a win at Churchill Downs. In fact, the trainer, the owner, and the jockey, none of them have been in a derby. No, and Eric Reed, the trainer, by the way, has got an amazing story. Barn catching on fire, debating about getting out of racing completely. Like, completely just, he's over it. The owner, thinking about closing up shop for, I think it's, what's the name of it? It's Red is, is it red tr racing i think is the name of it uh th- just completely disenchanted with the entire racing industry thinking about closing up shop and eric reed the guy who wanted to get out of racing as a trainer talks him into let's do it one more time how hell of a feel-good story is that that's wonderful it's i'm still a, pissed my horse didn't win but i mean i'm just it's hard <laughs> not to feel good about the whole thing like eric you know you hear a lot about crappy trainers and i hate to say it eric reed's not one of them no i eric reed cares about horses i hate you know in in a world of race horses everybody thinks you know none of these trainers and people don't care about these horses richard dawson and eric reed give a damn about horses they really do did you guys get to read the story about like who who bred rich strike and everything that happened going from there so I've got a little bit of it. <clears throat> In fact, I've got a video tomorrow, but I don't have the details. So if you got the details on his yeah. breeding. Well, I don't have a lot of details on his breeding necessarily, but. Well, he's like, curling bred. Well, he's. Um, he was uh, bred at Clement Farms there. They had their farm there. And um, he's actually the last coal out of his dam before they sold her. Yeah. And they sold her for $1,700 because she wasn't producing good enough crop and they just they got rid of her yeah. and, and here's here's the thing if you want to know how bad the crop was he set number two on on the leaderboard there yeah before the derby what before the derby he was number two out of the crop if that tells you anything oh really yeah that, that's well, how bad the crop was he well then he he lost his very first race that he was in dead last came in dead yep. last so they decided to sell him and put him in that in that um thirty thousand dollar stakes race. Yep. And, and that's when he got purchased. But I just think that's like I think that's so funny that he's like the last one out of her. They sold her for seventeen hundred dollars, and then here he comes as a Kentucky Derby winner. Well, let's talk about something else too. He's not just a Kentucky Derby winner and like a thirty thousand dollar horse. He's also a straight-up predator in what we think of when we think of off-the-track thoroughbreds because he literally tried to eat his outrider's horse. And if I hear somebody say abuse one more time, I'm going to choke them because I would have kicked that horse in the face if you're literally trying to take bites out of my horse and I can't get away from you. I'm I, I'm kicking your horse. I'm sorry. It is he, gonna I happen. did take a chunk. problem with what the outrider did. I, I saw one comment where I kind of have to agree that 
there is maybe a little bit of a concern with him now. I mean, his uh, his stud pocketed, um, but continuing to breed that kind of a personality like, is that something that you try to pass on? You know, or is he just need to prove himself more than just winning one race? Well, can I just be? Can I just be honest with that? And, and I'll I'll say this. I don't know too many jacked up thoroughbreds out there that act much differently. I don't, I don't, I haven't seen too many. I literally take chunks out of other horses, but just to be that, to be that nasty. I mean, that's, I mean, Flo, you it's work with off the track thoroughbreds. Yeah. Honestly, especially with the stud colts, that's the biggest issue. That's one of the issues I have um, with the thoroughbred industry just as a whole, because that behavior is very common and very tolerated. And especially now with a derby win, not only is this stud fee going to go up, it's just going to skyrocket. But on top of that, they don't care what kind of personality he's going to produce. And very likely it's going to continue. I have to admit, like, that's, it's just so incredibly common in the racing industry and there, there was a few people who said like oh well because like ryan you mentioned you know people kind of like that racing high and i'm like no um i saw something that it was when he was being led into the box so i mean they he hasn't run yet and he injured the handler to the point that they had to swap out handlers so that she could go be treated for injuries and i'm like that that's to me i don't know i come from a world that would not be tolerated but we'll see. And the thing is, in the race industry, it is because here's the thing. And Flo, again, you'll back me up because this is something you've said. They're not breeding for brains and trainability. They're breeding for performance alone. Right. Because at the end of the day, anything that wins the Derby will 100% never go to a second career. That is all he will ever do is make babies. And they don't. Unless care. it's a gelding. Right. But in the racing industry, in a. There's so many stallions in the racing industry that are breeding right now because they have something good that was back in their pedigree. Like, who was it? Um, Scat Daddy died in 2011, I think at like 11 or 12 years old. One of his, um, one of his offspring, Daddy Knows Best, wasn't exceptional in his racing career, but because he has scat daddy and scat daddy died they're going to keep producing him oh yeah regardless and that's but it, and i'm gonna say going back though i feel like you can't judge the horse necessarily on like who he is or what they're doing because you have to think of like a he's never been in a race that big his jockey's never been in a race that big the amount of adrenaline and everything pumping through them from the time that they hit the track before they race and plus he's not trained to be Exactly. Uh, to have any kind of ground manners and you, right. and you have to think of the training that came bef- like exactly the training that came before that i mean just because he acts like that now doesn't mean that that's necessarily what he's going to reproduce he's just a he's a can, mirror can i just can i just live so far yeah so, you know can i just you, say something yes that 99.9 percent of of racehorses are barely just rideable. They are. They are. And so when I was, 
younger, um, I had the opportunity to gallop a couple times and they are barely just rideable, but in all fairness, four, two, three, sometimes four years old, they're pretty solid. If we like, look at the grand scheme of things, yeah, they're still pretty solid, but there's no use for ground manners in the racing industry because they're required to walk with a stud shank. Well, I mean, you currently kind of work in the race industry, just a different side of the race industry. Right. And I <laughs> mean, and you, yeah. And you see that, you see that a lot too, with the, with the breed that you work with. They don't Every give a damn single, about ground manners. They just want performance. Every single horse that I got off the track, directly off the track, there was no ground manners. There was no, um, the first time you put a regular halter on these horses instead of one with a shank, they, they don't know what to do with themselves. I mean, cross tying is hit or miss leading is hit or miss. Um, body awareness is hit or miss on top of them being three years old yeah, and their body growing them, not even knowing sometimes what they're doing. It's, all of and that it, combined yeah it's and it's and exactly there but fault. i also look at it as a double-edged sword especially with like the horses that will run the triple crown is that they're coming to age so quickly and you've got to get them ready to race is there time in there really to make them a good horse on top of a good race horse and, and no. that's a legitimate question it no? no no because at the end of the day these horses have to have a two-year-old career to even have the thought of making it into Churchill Downs at three. Yeah. Because of that, if it, I've had a lot of horses that didn't race until they were three, there's a distinct difference in maturity level brain wise in regards to one that's raced at three, that's had a year of putting those finesses in at the same time. This is also a very much American thing in especially the UK and Ireland um the racehorses they go out and do everything they go out on hacks they go out on trail rides they do everything but they also race on turf and they also race until sometimes eight nine ten years old it's a little bit different but as the american racing industry stands we don't they don't need them to have ground manners we just need them to run in your opinion, is there ever a chance that the U.S. industry could go the way of like the the U.K. or the European racing industry, or do you think it's going to be pretty set in stone? They're never going to, you know. I, my concern is I'm like, you know, there's a whole debate over, um, you know, should two year olds even be ridden, especially at that extent. So I'm just curious from somebody who's more in the racing industry if it's even possible for the U.S. I can tell you right now and before flow answers is that the way that crown pride is being worked is really sparking a lot of attention in the industry. And that is a good thing. You know what? We had a chance. And I think if crown pride would have placed better, people would have started paying more attention to how he was trained. Unfortunately, because of his placing in the Kentucky Derby, I think a lot of people are going to write off um, that training method and just say, you know what, might work for that horse, but here in the States, we do something different. Regardless of how, how many races he's won. I mean, Crown Pride won the UAE Derby before the Kentucky Derby, which is astronomical. 
but but here in the U.S. Of, we don't care. Yeah, because of his placing in the Kentucky Derby, which is it, it not doesn't, necessarily the biggest race in the United States. No, it's the most televised it's one with the richest history but because of his placing i think a lot of people are just not even going to look at i would i would be fair to say he could have great showings at the belmont and the preakness and it wouldn't matter yeah i don't think it's going to matter um i i think crown pride not doing as well as everyone anticipated definitely did a disservice in potentially changing how we train them on the track. Can we talk about one thing though? And we can get back to the horses, but can we talk about one thing? And that that's Eric Reed's suit. I am here for it. This man went all out. This, this man, man looked went like all out. He looked like a Callahan brake part salesman. He looked like Tommy Boy out there. The man was in tears. That's a whole lot of fella too. And when him and Richard Dawson opened their mouth. It was like Hank Hill and Del Gribble, and I was here for it. Like, seriously, know. it was two good old boys say? with 30 grand, and they bought a racehorse. What did that man say when the reporter asked him how he thought the race went? I had no... I can translate captions, that for you. Captions couldn't help me. Like, <laughs> the Colorado in me was like, I don't... You cannot oh. compute. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The I, I speak, were turning, but the hamster was dead in my head. Yeah, I mean, he was. Listen, those are my kind of people, you know. And you could you could just look at them and tell they are, you know. A lot of people want to say, "Oh, race horse um, horse racing is an elitist sport." There's nothing elitist about Richard Dawson or Eric Reed. They're the most salt of the earth type of people you'd ever want to meet. They're the type of people you could drink a beer with, and though they they have money, they're not poor. They're not wealthy. Not by racing standards. No, not by racing standards. I mean, they got money that will, they've got generational money. I mean, let's just be honest there. They don't have rate. Like some of the people that own those horses, especially some of the people from the UAE and people like that, there's no way they could buy and sell both uh, Richard Dawson and Eric Reed. I mean, let's just be honest with you. Racing was so lucrative to both of them. They thought about hanging it up. Yeah, I mean, what was that? Like, there's one racehorse, what was it called? Um, Green Monkey or something that sold for like 16 million. I think mm-hmm. it was like 10 years ago. And that was just because um, two gentlemen got in a pissing match over this horse. I mean, yeah. And let's just be honest you can't buy a Kia for what they bought um, Rich Strike for. No. You can't See, buy like, a Kia. I think the most expensive horse in my breed to ever go for was like, Four million. I know there was one that they tried to. They wanted six for him, but he ended up passing before he ever sold. Listen, and so like that kind of money is like mind-boggling to me to spend on one animal. Oh, but let me let me go ahead and break this down for you. I know I know barrel horses that run in my NBHA district that cost more than Rich Strike, point blank. Shoot, no, I mean we have we have horses in our barn that cost more than rich strike i'm talking the 16 million on one horse is oh, I know. mind-boggling to me i mean yeah we've got several horses on our barn that cost more than rich strike yeah i mean it, it yeah 16 million dollars is 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 nuts that's like the uh 
was it was it a steer that sold recently for like a million or two million dollars or something like that and i'm like it can't even breed if it makes you guys yeah. feel better that horse that did sell for 16 million did not do anything on the track he was not impressive by any means that makes me feel great about two people getting a pissing contest though i believe it was a gentleman from the uae and an irishman and i wish that was the start of a joke but i don't think it is <laughs> an, <laughs> an arab and an irishman will an arab a pissing match and being able to spend 60 million i wish <laughs> i was that kind of rich <laughs> I, can, I can hear that joke now uh, an arab and a uh, irishman walk into an horse auction that's that's what uh, i used to call fuck you money that's that's mm-hmm. what that is that's exactly what that is. That is that is definitely screw you money. That's the type of money. That's the type of money I can only dream of. If I had that kind of money, I mean, I'd do dumb shit. Like I, you can't give me money like that. Like if you think if I had millions of dollars, I wouldn't own a racehorse. You're crazy. I don't know shit about the racing industry. Like I watch racing. I am. I can't say I'm an avid horse race watcher. I am a horse race enthusiast. Like I don't, it's like we were saying earlier. I don't know all the rules. I know it ain't like NASCAR and Ruben ain't racing there. You'll get DQ'd for that. But you know, I mean, I know win, place, and show, and I know odds because I mean, I bet on sports. But I mean, it, it, shit, I you'd see me up there now with a with a Coors banquet and like a a tweed suit, you know, with a crazy ass hat on and a heartbeat, talking about my pony. Can we just like we just got to brush up on that the fact that Sonny the jockey was able to cut through the pack without even a steward's inquiry <laughs> was so at 20 years old that is so incredibly just when the year before the horse um got disqualified for cutting across the pack and this 20 year old jockey who is not a veteran by any means comparatively. I mean, you had Mike Smith in the race. I mean, who's more of a veteran than him? Just so incredibly impressive. And speaking of Mike Smith, it's hard to ever bet against Mike Smith. And um, John, um, crap. What is his name? John, um, I can't remember his name. John Velasquez. John Velasquez. It's hard to bet between either two. And usually whatever horse Mike Smith is on, I will pull for except for this year. And the reason I didn't pull for is that horse was a Baffert horse and it got swapped over to one of Baffert's protégés. And I just, you know, I, I don't believe in that. It is what it is. It's whatever. So this year I was team crown pride for a lot of reasons other than that. But you well, know. And Mike Smith also was the jockey for Giacomo. Oh, really? That he was in 2005, and um, then again for Justify in 2018. Do you know Mike Smith was going to be the jockey for Palace Malice, and within a few days of the race, had to swap horses? I don't know the reasoning, but I remember that being a thing, and it was a big thing, because everybody was like, Mike Smith on Palace Malice, here we go. I'm sorry. Everybody's going, who's Palace Malice? The horse that had to scratch um, for Rich Strike to get in, um, did they just come up lame on the track or what happened? 
so there were two horses when they did the draw on was it tuesday um that had they had till until friday um to get their horses in the race and i do not know the circumstances flow or heather either of you two are probably the go-tos there uh of it was uh it was an ethereal ethereal something was one of the horses um I read somewhere now, don't quote me because I don't know if that was accurate. I don't think it was a lameness issue. I think it was the potential for a lameness issue that they said preemptively, you know what? No, not for us. We're not risking the horse. And I can't blame them for that. I'd, I'd heard the same thing. Um, while we, to be quite honest, we started uh, the day out at 6 a.m. when we left and had our friend that was driving us that did not start drinking at uh, 7 a.m. When did you start drinking? That's what I want to know. Do you even remember the race? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because we have a pattern. It's like, because there's three of us that go every year and the one girl doesn't drink at all. (laughs) Me and my best friend, we throw down. So she drives up. We start throwing them back in the car 7 30 8 o'clock you know kind of pace ourselves we stop get breakfast get on the road again keep throwing them back and um and then we take a break from about two o'clock until just after the derby and then start again i say it right now i'm gonna make this right now 2023 Kentucky Derby, the entire round table of mediocre horsemen. We I am go. so down. We go. Flo, I Hannah, so down. Heather, we'll Jess. Down. We know the best places to like snag the the best place to watch. So we'll uh yeah, we'll we'll definitely go and y'all can invade our spot too. I'm, I'm pretty sure I got a twill jacket somewhere I'll have to let bust out. <laughs> I'll be wearing the most disrespectful colors. Do it. And by the way, can we just stop and appreciate flows? Why I don't make money at Dover videos. I'm living <laughs> for her fit checks every day. It's true. I, uh, they, they just get my paycheck right back, but I look great when I'm falling off. <laughs> and then your videos are ones like I find myself wanting to make them, but you know, I own like, five pairs of reaches and like three riding shirts so i'm like yeah that'd be very short short video series and see for me right now everything is like oh i'll just ride in these leggings that i just you know go to the gym in or i think i've got a pair of jeans somewhere yeah sure honestly i started the videos because at dover we wear dover products um so I found myself like when I started working there, I didn't really have that many just because broke equestrian cannot afford. And then I found out, oh, I get a discount. And I was like, hmm, I need more work clothes. What, do you, what, turned, what is your discount? I don't even know if I'm allowed to say. I can, I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, don't. It's okay. <laughs> Hold it's up a good one. Fingers. Good. I got, I got I offered. Can't. That's because um, it's not a percent. Oh, well, see, that sucks because I got offered a position with a, I won't say it's a competitor because you don't really have a competitor Dover. Um, It's the very redneck version of that, but in their corporate side. 
and uh, it's only 10%. That's, that's disrespectful. What, that's what I said. It's like a slap in the face. I mean, I understand you're giving me like, you know, health and dental, but um, bruh. Like I, when I was at, when I was in my twenties, I worked at O'Reilly Auto Parts one time, and we got shit at cost. Yeah, that's a, a boot place I used to work at. We'd get things at cost plus like two percent. Yeah, I mean, come on, I mean, help, help somebody out. I'm not going to say who I it is because at, I'm kind of counting. When I worked at Schwarzlands, I managed to get a pair of Ariat Fat Babies. They were originally like 180 bucks, and I got them for 18 dollars because of all the discounts. Like it's tax. Yo, what? if y'all don't stop saying Ariat. They were Ariat. Sorry. Thank you. But it's uh, they they were on clearance already. But then there was like an extra percentage off, and then my employee discount on top of all that. They were eighteen bucks, and they finally died on me last year, and I had them for about three years. Oh, flow. Speaking of clothing, I found some giant tube socks today, and guess who's going to be sporting those? World Leroy. Leroy, because poor flies are just eating him alive. What? He, he's so sweet. He I followed Flo that. around. It's right there. Yes. Would he keep a fly boots on? No, he ate his last two pair. Uh, I, I said put vet wrap and electrical tape, make him look like a racehorse for a couple days. It's like racing stripes, just like. But the thing about me, like. You do that for a couple of days, it heals up, and then you give them three days with them off, and they're just as bad as they were. Like, the day- yeah, I so I talked to a friend of mine Look that to the left. I talked to a friend of mine that's at a really nice barn, and I was like, "How's your donkeys doing this year?" And they're like, "They're destroyed." And like, so they have fly boots on them, and they're fly. And the flies are getting in the fly boots and still biting them. Like she should, her her donkey looks worse than Leroy, and I don't know what it is about Ooh. donkeys. Yeah, and Leroy looks bad. Like you saw Leroy the other day. Like it is for some reason, man. Donkeys and flies is horrible. And I was talking to Jess. She's got friends that's got mammoths, and their legs would be bloody too sometimes, won't they? Yeah, all four. They've got four donks total, two mammoths and two minis, and they all they wear fly boots. All of hers have to wear fly boots, and our flies aren't near as bad as your guys is not yet. Yeah, our flies draw candy. blood. It's the <laughs> one thing the donkeys candy. can't kill. Yeah, they'll kill everything else. Yeah, my poor horses, uh, Wonder and Strider, their legs were pink the other day because they had so many fly bites. Hannah, were you saying something? Oh, sorry. Just when I was out in Kansas, that was we had too many donkeys, and um, one of them, like every single year, and it was the same leg, always same spot, and it would always get bloody. And the problem was that we were in the face of the public, and so we can't just have an open wound yeah. on an animal like that. So we we had we finally got we found a place that sells miniature fly boots, and so we got her a pair of those. Um, ironically, in Missouri, at least right now, knock on wood, I haven't really seen flies yet. I've yeah. seen a few. I, we've got. Um, wasps are starting to come out and i got a june bug in my car with me that i cannot get out <laughs> well and i think a lot of leroy's problem was when when i adopted leroy like leroy was an, i adopted leroy and uh he was a he was a or he adopted me i went um it was a guy i was doing some work for and leroy was there one day and he come up to the fence and the guy's like that donkey likes you and i said i guess so i said you know my dad's got donkeys and he goes good he goes because that donkey hates my guts and i'm like 
okay. And then, but now knowing Leroy, I'm like, how could Leroy hate anyone? You know, but he, when he came to me, he had no hair on his legs, which tells me he had had problems with that before. Like he doesn't grow like they're just, it's, they're scarred up so bad. And I think that makes it 10 times worse for, for poor Leroy. He's Leroy around here because it's fancy. And, um, not only that, but you know, the fly boots that you know I'm putting on him are like pony size, so they're obviously too big for him. And uh, I think they got some bag in them, and then he just grabs them. And then, you know, you see him next thing you know, the last pair were bright like pink. And I just saw this bright pink thing running through the paddock one day, and it was him throwing it around. And I'm like, great, you know, there goes 30 bucks. But uh, he's something else, like, yeah. You know, and the, the bad thing is, is like for my people who own donks, you get it. And but if you're not around donks all the time, you're almost embarrassed for people to see your donks in fly season because they their legs can look really bad. Um, even if you are trying to take care of him, that's why it flows. Like, I want to see Leroy and I'm like, ah, you know, I'm like, let's look at these pretty fat ponies that are slick and shiny over here. Not Leroy. <laughs> and then one of your mares tried to kill me. Which, which, oh, Foxy. Yeah. Foxy, uh, went after your little Morgan and I was standing right there. I'm like, I know I'm small, but please, please don't run me over. She was, she was hungry for potato. Like I tell everybody, my little half Morgan is a potato horse, and Flo got to see that firsthand. <laughs> she's she's not built horribly; she's just a potato. Not built horribly at all, and honestly, like spot on for a Morgan. Yeah, she, you know that that head's a little off, but everything else is Morgan. That face, not so much. My I'm face glad is... I'm not the only one who almost died this week. Then. Oh no, yeah. Flo almost got ran over by by Porab. Like a really spicy one too. That Arabian part. Yeah, it's not Arab part. Like Flo's like, she don't really look Arab in the face. And then you start act hanging out with her and then looking how long she is and then the dumb <laughs> shit she does. You're like, yep, that's Arab. <laughs> uh we lost you, Flo. We can't hear you. I said she's a family horse. You can fit the whole family. On yeah, you can fit the whole hand from from withers to ass is like twelve feet. She's actually not <laughs> built bad at all. Like looking at her, of course, like I have to dissect everything I look at. But oh yeah, I was really like I was like, she looks like she runs real fast. She and she really she's quick and um, I love that horse. Like she's just you know, she's leggy, she's long, and she's got a hell of a stride on her. And and I'm very fortunate that everything I've got is super easy keepers. Like I don't I don't have to do any crazy supplements. Mine aren't on Alpha Alpha or Timothy or anything like that. They get coastal and they get what a lot of people consider a pretty cheap horse feed, and they stay looking like that. And I I don't know if I told you my the new gelding Donnie. He before I got him, he was getting eight pounds of. Uh triple crown senior gold why a day eight pounds and he first was of all lazy. let's he, just talk about that he's not he a senior wasn't. right no he's only eight and i don't know how this i wasn't walking around an 18 hand kite with that much sugar and calories i think it's 1800 calories a pound and when she told me that in me in my head i'm like that's changing and what, what we were talking about that the other day because we were like what average give or take thirteen thousand calories a day for a horse right so and, that, was... and, and let's go ahead and throw this out here too triple crown senior is like 30 to 35 dollars a bag depending on where you shop 
she told yeah. me it cost her four hundred dollars a month just to feed him. And I told I was like, give me that horse. I, I think it. I'm Don't I worry. think I'm having an aneurysm right now. Yeah. It it hurt me when she said that. I was like, have you tried just feeding him hundred dollar bills? I think it might be cheaper. No shit. I mean <laughs> I, <laughs> have you just tried giving him good quality hay and feeding him like a you know a a ration balancer? Oddly enough, um, the hay she was feeding, it was beautiful, really beautiful coastal. Yeah. Um, I treated him for worms and ulcers. Just, I was like, it's cheaper to treat than to scope and do all that. Um, and then I went yesterday and the girth was tight and I was like, aha, what a time to be alive. <laughs> sure enough. Woo. Oh, I love that horse, by the way, just big, tall, red rascal. So the past two days, um, so he got shoes with pads on okay, and because his feet were just incredibly sore, just thoroughbred feet, you know, and yesterday I rode him and he's lazy, lazy, lazy. But yesterday I got on him and big swing and walk. And I was like, oh, oh, I've got a horse. And then I started, I was like, okay, let's try it. And I just put my leg on a little bit and off we went. And he was bouncing me up when I was posting. I was like. I've, I got something here. Ooh. We but should. He's, he's got a like a fifteen foot stride. I'm like, uh, how slow do I need to go in the <laughs> okay. Hey, we we got to do something one day. We should swap red horses for a day. I don't have a ladder for you. I mean, listen. <laughs> I I used to I used to mount Chevy was like sixteen hands off the track thoroughbred. I used to mount him from the ground. Thank you very much. I don't know. But English stirrups are up higher than Western stirrups, so I don't know if I can do that. Brian, if you can mount Donnie from the ground, horse, do what? So I'd like to see Ryan get his foot above his head to try to get on that horse. Yeah, but aren't English stirrups a few inches higher than Western stirrups? Yeah, my stirrups. Um, so I had to get the children's stirrups, and um, so they'll fit Ryan. It, well, so I, I. Me and Flo are the hips. same height, hush. We are. I fractured both of my hips. So like I ride short because it's just more comfortable now. So my stirrups, when I drop them to get on, they are above my head when I'm standing on the ground. I'm so screwed. <laughs> because Foxy, when in, in my long Western stirrups, you know, where I keep just a slight crook in my knee, um, I, I have a hard time getting on Foxy. And she's she might be 15 hands. I just imagine having a crash and burn like I did yesterday. Let's talk about on that. An, on an 18 hand horse versus a 14 hand horse. Okay. Well, let's talk about that. How you got, you, you just, just launched yourself over the shoulder of a Pasavina. <laughs> um, First of all, how are they moving fast enough for you to like, get launched? I was just about to ask. <laughs> Nirvana is fairly that little walk is fast. <laughs> it is. I mean, there's and there's a lot of like energy behind it. Um, she was getting tired and she was kind of like fighting with me a little bit. Um, I was asking her to like try to collect and stuff, and she was just like, nope. And so she wasn't really paying attention to where she was going. And all I can guess is that she because the thing is, is that I'm not really 100 percent sure what happened. So all I can guess is that she stepped in a hole because the next thing I know, I'm just heading towards the ground. 
like her head's just gone and i'm just heading towards dirt I can I can just hear like circus music playing. This horse is doing like a roach scurry across the ground, and okay, here comes Anna Boo, uh, Hannah Boo, just right it, off it, the shoulder of this horse. I had two people in the arena with me, and they were like, we didn't know how to react, and it was one of those where I'm like, it's too bad I don't film my rides. Though if you had, you would have heard me just screaming in pain. Like uh, I never I never know how to I'm react. Fine, but- well, and what it was is that I, when I got down, so the horse, they actually thought if she, if she had continued with the trajectory that she had, she would have rolled over and landed on top of me. Ooh. I'm not sure how, but how twisted herself to where she was facing the opposite direction of where, like, did an entire 180 and landed in a laying position. Nice. Um, my thing was is I ended up landing almost on like my hands and knees or I got to them and both of my calves cramped up mm. to the point that I physically could not get off the ground. So I have to ask, not to change subjects on you, Hannah, but I got to ask everyone. I think everyone's seen the video post-race with the Outrider. And I think we touched on a little bit and I made a promise to a few people that were my followers that – I kind of got into a, a little bit of a heated debate. I won't say it was an argument because I, I try not to be argumentative about how hindsight and how we would have dealt with the issue of, of you know, um, Rich Strike literally trying to eat the Outrider and the horse, um, how they would have handled it. And I figured I would just go around the round table as kind of the last closing thing here. And, you know, heat of the moment, Let's say this wasn't a race. This was a trail ride, and your friend's horse literally took two chunks out of your horse's neck and then bit you on the leg and then bit your horse's reins. What are you going to do? So, we'll start with, yeah, we'll start with Jess. So the first first thing is, is I don't think that you can think about it as you and your friends being out on a trail ride because you have to think, like, I read this really cool, um, like, view of it earlier and it's talking about the amount of money not only that that guy is holding on to but the amount of money on the track and the stakes that are at risk if that horse gets loose like not only could it become injury to that horse who's just won the derby which is now a very very expensive horse there's multiple other very 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 expensive horses out there on the track that could also be injured and not to mention the amount of people and safety issue that it would be if that horse were to get loose. So all the people who are just like, oh, just you, just let him go. If it's, if it's not bad, just let him go. Well, if he would have let him go and an injury, it could have been a mass chaos of injury and destruction if, they, if that outrider would have just let him go. So like, I mean, I get thinking of like, what would you do if you were on the trail and it was one of your friends, but like, this guy, the stakes were so high for him. And regardless, I don't, you know, regardless, in my opinion, he had, he did what he had to do. I mean, if he was abusing that horse, that horse would have shown some sort of reaction to what that man did. And I've watched a bunch of the footage and the horse never even was phased by anything. No. It's not like he, 
hurt him because if he did, he would have been trying to get away from him. Exactly. I went back and watched some of the footage because I saw all the comments and I didn't I didn't get a chance to watch it because I was working and crashing and burning. Um the I never saw anything I would label as a punch. Like some people said, oh well he punched that horse and I'm like honestly I think a lot of true equestrians probably would have been a heck of a lot harsher yeah i can tell you what i would have done i can tell you what i would have done and i can lose followers and i can use use listeners and it doesn't really matter to me but if it was me and i'm using the trail ride example of what you would do personally because obviously none of us are going to be outriders on a track and i understand exactly where you're coming from jess he was holding what's going to be the equivalent of millions of dollars for his owners now considering he's a kentucky derby winner but let's just say we were on the trail and your friend's horse started biting your horse on the neck, biting you, biting at the reins. I hate to say it, but Peter would be wanting to burn my house down because I would have kicked that horse in the face. I would have got the horse away from my horse. Yeah, that's definitely, I mean, just brings up an amazing point of he's holding on to with a stud career, potentially tens of millions of dollars, depending mm-hmm. on how he does in the next couple of races on the trail, I would have punched that horse so hard in the nose because, oh my God, it's not taking a chunk out of me and my horse, but on the track in that situation, there, everyone's got to remember, these are three-year-old race horses with a bunch of adrenaline pumping through them. If that outrider punched the horse or did something to get a reaction out of the horse, and we see it all the time, the horse flips over backwards and lands on the jockey, you've got a loose horse. Oh, yeah. You've got a severely injured jockey or worse. And the just what could have happened if he had done more, which most equestrians would have. That outrider did an amazing job. Well, and I and Heather, I know you can back me up on this. All you know, you used to be a can chaser, and and you know this. How is your horse when you get through running a pattern and you come back through the alley? How was that oh, horse acting? A little goofy. A little most, goofy. Yeah. A little goofy. Most of the time, they're worse going in than coming out. See, but I don't. Mine is. Mine's great. Mine's got good alley manners. It's on the way out. She's like. <laughs> He's like, you know, chomping at no, the mine, bit. mine have always gotten all hyped up and jumped sideways and like, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Shoot. Gone. But, but, you know, racehorses are racehorses. Okay, we're cool. We did our thing. We're good. Sorry. Oh, go ahead, Anna. Did it change for the future? And this is going to sound weird, but I actually get this from my um, exotics experience. Now that they know that that horse is going to react that way maybe he had it in the past i don't know but now that they know he's going to react that way personally i'd have two outriders one on either side with a lead rope attached to each so that he cannot physically get close enough well you, you know, know a second outrider they, they came still in got him restrained but they, they do that with like they walk like cheetahs and some and some other big cats and stuff you have two handlers so that way if one he's one if he tries to go start going one way the other person can kind of hold it back. Well, and I heard a lot of people make that argument. They're like, they're like, well, a second outrider came in with a lead rope and he should have just let go and let that outrider go. And then if you, and I'm with flow on this, if you let him go, 
And the same way with Jess, if you let him go and all of a sudden he gets loose and next thing you know, Sonny is under a horse. I mean, it doesn't matter if if there's a second outright. Let him loose. It it was the get a second outrider on the other side of him and have a second lead rope attached. Yeah. So that they're they're in the future. So if he's starting to act up and he's trying to bite one, yeah, I'm not saying that would have helped in this situation because I don't think they probably could have done it. But in the future, now that they know he's going to act that way, potentially have somebody on the other side. So if he starts going after an outrider or their horse, the person on the other side can pull him away. That's right. and something else to think about in this situation is watching the way that the outrider's horse is responding, because not only is that outrider having to handle this man eating machine next to him, but his horse was not taking it well. Like his no. horse was not taking it well, was trying to scoot away and like he handled it incredibly well. And this other guy is who was trying to get the leader up on the other side too was in my opinion more in the way at some points than actually being beneficial and so this guy is trying to manage people other people trying to come in trying to manage this horse and ride the horse that's between his legs and in my opinion i think he did a great job like i just i I do too 100 percent, 100 percent. i think everybody wants to look at it you know hindsight is 2020 and i know every everybody says that saying over and over again but in this case and in and, and this situation, hindsight really is 2020. And as equestrians, I think it is something good that we look back on and we analyze. And could it have been handled differently? Probably so. But in the time and the heat of the moment, your horse is literally bleeding. It's rearing. And you've got a million dollars in one hand, a outrider pony in the other, and the life of that jockey at the same time. What are you going to do? And if it takes me pulling the bit through that horse's mouth to get him to stop eating my horse, that's just what's going to happen. There's a lot of ways that could have been handled a lot worse, but I don't think it could have been handled any better than it was. Yeah, I was just about to say, I don't think even hindsight being 2020, I don't think that that situation could have been handled any better because one, the outrider's horse was slowly but surely starting to lose it and and i can't blame the outrider's horse though yeah and right because he doesn't know what's going on he doesn't know this horse just won it's a horse and the worst thing that could have happened was the horse continuous his the outrider's horse continued to escalate flipping over there were so many things that could have gone wrong in retrospect that that outrider literally did a perfect job of that situation because it could have been a million times worse and it could have been excuse me been an absolute bloodbath in regards to rich uh, rich strike or the outrider's horse the outrider the job everyone involved including other horses if he had gotten away i mean if his the outrider's horse had flipped over and now the outriders on the ground, the horse is running loose. Now Rich Strike is running loose. Now another horse is running. Like it would have been so horrible, but he handled that situation beautifully. So I want to say this for my followers that are screaming abuse and for my listeners that are screaming abuse. There's five of us here. Okay. We have an off the track thoroughbred trainer. We have a somebody who probably knows more about the history of the Kentucky Derby than anybody else in Heather. We've got two trainers here. 
well, three trainers technically, and then a dumbass, which is me. <laughs> and we're all saying that in the heat of the moment, there's nothing else you could have done other than try to get that horse as under control as you can and go about your business so they can go into the winner's circle, they can get draped in roses and collect their check. So let's just go ahead and put that to bed now. And I hate to be harsh about that, but if you want to see abuse, there's a whole lot of other places you can look for abuse than somebody snatching on a horse's head that's trying to eat another horse. Yep. Specifically in that scenario, everybody wants to scream abuse because it was a it was a big time thing. Everybody wants to scream, oh, well, they're supposed to be professional horsemen. I know professional horsemen that would have punched that horse right in the gob. Oh, yeah. So let's just put that to bed. And I, I hate this. I, I hate to sound sour and bitter. That's not abuse. That is correct. Oh, I, it's not even correcting. You know, there, there's a lot of proactive things. That's not a that's not a moment you school. That's a moment you alleviate the situation. It's it's like um, we can school later. This isn't this isn't a teaching moment. This is stop. It's to like be honest, those... I feel like if you're an equestrian that's around stallions for any amount of a significant amount of time, you know, you're going to get into a fist fight with one. Listen, I'm not like, around stallions. I'm around mares, and I'll tell you all day long, mares are just as damn bad. I was about to say oh. stallions specifically because he's a colt. They there's moments where you cannot do anything. Like for me, on my side of the world, inspection. That horse, I've seen stallions beat people up. I've been run over. I've been struck at inspection, and all you can do is smile and wave. Here, I'll, it's the same shit. Yeah, I will tell you. So. I'll tell you right now. And this is this is scientifically fact. A stallion's balls is bigger than his brain. Literally, his balls weigh more than his brain. That's not surprising because, like, my situation was it's, it's 100% loose. true. We had a stallion get loose, and this was a long time ago. Um, but he got out, there was a bunch of mares around. We managed to catch him, but the person put him back in the wrong stall. I went to go try to grab him, and he he was at he was going after me, he was doing whatever he could to get past me and get out of that stall to the point. I mean, I had to physically fight a horse that day to protect myself. Oh yeah, because he wouldn't get back off from me. So well, I'm like, that's why I'm like, if you're if you're going to be an equestrian, you're going to be around stallions any significant period of time, you are probably going to get into a fist fight with a horse, whether you want to or not. They're not going to give you a choice in no. that. Well, you know, and I hear a lot of people make the they make the they make the statement that there's no reason why a stallion can't be just as good as a gelding or a mare, and in some instances that is true. But in others, you're never going to overpower nature and let him smell a mare in heat. He will murder you to get to that mare. He does Some not stallions. care. That's why a lot of geldings are geldings because they they can't handle being stallions. They can't. Have handle you guys it. seen the video of them of a person um, turning a stallion out with a herd of mares? And there's so many people like there's so many people in the video commenting, "Oh well, he's so badly behaved, he shouldn't be a stallion." And I'm like. I don't think you guys understand. That is extremely well behaved for a stallion that knows there's mares in season. Was it the gray one? Yes. Yeah. 
that was extremely well behaved, extremely. I was very impressed with his manners in regards to just, yeah. he knows he knows his job. He knows what he's about to do. And he kept it together. Like, wow. Oh, and I'll be the first to tell you, I've run, we run across stallions all the time, barrel racing. Because those are up and coming horses that they're hoping to establish breeding programs with. And it's just like any other horse, they show well that price goes up. And I'll be honest with you, most of the times, nine times out of 10, it's the mares that are acting up worse than the stallion. But there are a handful of stallions that just can't handle being a stallion. And don't make excuses for them. If they can't handle being a stallion, chop them balls off. You just set the racing world on fire. Uh, well, I mean, that's the racing <laughs> world. I mean, I understand that. And I understand that we don't typically race geldings. But, I mean, you know, it, I'd like to say that's a different scenario. They're, they're in a pack of stallions, other stallions. But, I don't know. In, in my world, if a stallion can't handle being a stallion, we geld. Yeah. I mean, it yeah, seems... I mean, Heather knows if, if, if you've got a barrel race in Stein and he can't handle being a Stein, you guild. It seems in. in because it's normal... performance. He, he loses performance when he can't handle being a stallion. His mind's not focused. It seems when you add money to the equation, the idea of if it can't handle being a stallion, cut it. It really kind of flies out the window. The oh, it does. more money that is involved in the sport just in general that philosophy seems to fly out the window which it's and i i think something really important about like what you just said too is like there's a lot of money in the racing industry but also there's a lot of money in the racing industry but they don't give because there's so much money in the racing industry they're putting out so many foals per year which turn into yearlings per year and they don't have even while they have the money, but they choose not to use the money to have the correct amount of staff to be able to give those yearlings and weanlings one-on-one individualized attention. So these guys are literally going from being fold out to hardly ever being touched, turned out into a field for the most part in herds of, of yearlings, and then being brought in just to be handled enough to be backed their two-year-old year to be able to be going into their racing industry so it's not right. like a lot of the other areas of the industry because a lot like especially the western world people are you don't have massive amounts like that you're spending more one-on-one time with those horses when you're breaking a training because you're gonna have to be the one that handles them every day oh no yeah and that's right. like we were saying yeah it was like we were saying earlier that most of these race horses are barely backable like i mean you know they're really honestly i mean they're barely backable i think a lot of that is though like you said before you know there's not the time i honestly think there is the time i agree with jess there's not the staffing and that that is a problem that's a chronic problem in the animal world to begin with is lack of staffing but i feel like if they were to hire people that are specifically they're just they would have a better time with it have your racing trainers then have your just basic ground manner trainers amount of staff that that would take because a lot of these big racing farms they're falling out over a hundred foals a year so the amount of money that they would have to put into staffing to handle those would 
make them so unprofitable and that is that's what it comes down to is the racing industry about the money and they're not going to be willing to put the staffing into giving you know imagine how much time that would take even if you you would have to have four full-time people handling those horses every day and that's all they did yeah well and not worth it to them yeah and there's another part of that too and that part is it's not a requirement to want to race yeah right and at the end of the day on top of that the breeding we all know jockey club they require live cover and regardless of how we all feel about it it's i'm saying let's breed super horses damn it right they can't breed super horses so what do they do instead they're going to breed 100 150 200 head in the chance that that one is a derby winner and the, those odds make sense to most of the people in the racing industry and b- until those odds don't make sense oh yeah i don't think it's going to change I'm, I'm like this when it comes to when it comes to breeding in the racing industry i don't want anybody in the thoroughbred world to ever look at quarter horse people and point the finger at line breeding because every one of your horses can 99.9 percent of your damn horses go back to one sire i've met nirko i mean come on I've met one or two specifically off the track thoroughbreds that don't have um, multiples in their pedigree that aren't line bred. Like my mare, she's, I think she has three Mr. Prospector in there. No Nierko, oddly enough, but tons of Mr. Prospector. uh, Rich Strike, Mr. Prospector. Everyone, everyone's Mr. Yeah. Prospector. Uh, Keen, uh, so Keen Ice was his uh, sire. Um, and guess what? His dam and sire, his his sire's grandsire is his damn sire. Can we also talk about the fact Keen Ice, I think he was the only one to be, um, I can't remember if it was Pioneer of the Nile or if it was American Pharaoh, but one of the two. American yeah, yeah it was go. American Pharaoh. Yeah. That's freaking crazy. I know. And that was in New York, right? Where where uh, Triple Crown winners go to die is what they call that race. I forget the name of that race. The Belmont. No, it's not the Belmont. Oh, where they go to die. Saratoga? Traverse? I can't remember. Well, the Belmont says like, Saratoga too, right? The, I think it's the Traverse Stakes. That you're yeah, because they always say that's so. where that's that's where uh, triple crown winners go to die because there's always like a six year old there ready to whip their ass. Yeah, it's the Travers. I think it's funny because you got the six or seven year old out there that does nothing but that track and just beats the piss out of them. I think that's there's the something to be said about the older racehorses. That's. Oh, look at the standees like some of the standee some of the standees yeah and they're beast and so i've noticed a distinct difference between my three-year-old off the trackers and my seven-year-old war horses in regards to just everything in their training my war horses i can get them basically over fences in a week bending lead changes they are like ready for their adult amateur, the three-year-old. It is a constant balance of please don't kill me and I will eat you a live horse if you don't yeah. do this. 
Well, I noticed a distinct difference. Like my red horse, you met her, Foxy. She's not a she's not a bad horse. Like she's an attention whore. Um, I mean, you haven't ridden her under its saddle, but she's an attention whore. But that horse, there's a distinct difference. Um, I got her as a four-year-old, and there is a distinct difference between the four-year-old horse I got and from the time when she turned about six or seven. Like she's 12 now. But oh, my mare there is too. a distinct difference there. My mare, hundred percent, who's was supposed to probably be a racing thoroughbred, but she never grew. So not many people want to race fifteen one, regardless of their stride size. But when I got her as coming five, um, she was just piss and vinegar, and now she's my steady Eddie. I can hop on her any day of the week and the chances of me dying are low never zero but low yeah it's never zero never zero in fact i think the quote from your episode made it into a highlight reel when it said she's all mayor (laughs) so as we wrap it up tonight closing thoughts on the 2022 kentucky derby i'm gonna go down the line as it appears to me so no particular order it's just at, as it shows up in the lineups nobody get offended so flow your first closing 2022 kentucky derby we got the preakness and belmont coming up what do you think so um personally uh while a lot of people thought that rich strike had another quarter in him i honestly think that the corner ran out i don't know if two weeks is enough time for this horse to get prepared for the Preakness. I'm very excited to see it. The Derby, um, how, how it was disappointing for me for crown pride, Me too. but, um, in regards to the way sunny rode, in regards to the way that rich strike wanted to win, um, it was just spectacular to see. And I, it's the epitome of horse racing. Anything can happen. I loved it. Heather Hellett. Um, it was an excellent race. Um, a lot of fun. It, as far as the future, I, I hate to say it, but I think I think he's going to fizzle out. He may do okay um, with the Belmont, but I think I, I'm I'm with Flo. I don't think this turnaround time between now and the Preakness is going to be enough for him. Um, well, see, they weren't even planning on running the Preakness, so do what. I said they weren't even planning on running the Preakness, so but yeah, it throws extra pressure. The Derby. No, <laughs> they're planning on running the Peter uh, Pan. Yeah, I mean it's one of them. I just I think he's gonna fizzle in the Preakness, and he may rally for the Belmont, but I, I think this was kind of this was like a Giacomo uh, for 2022. It was one of those, holy shit, where'd this horse come from? It's a oh, feel good moment. I mean, great. it's definitely a feel good moment. Do but I? yeah, it's definitely a feel good moment, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so is Giacomo, but I I think I will be surprised if if he comes through in the brightness. Hannah Schroeder. I think I have to agree with the others. Um, I'm not sure I'm 100% confident he's on a winning streak. Um, I am not convinced this isn't going to be a one-hit wonder fluke type situation, but it's going to be interesting to see where the racing world goes from this. And I, I'm honestly curious. I want to see how crown pride does still in yeah. some of the other races. I'm, I'm still team crown pride, but a part of me will be pulling for 
rich strike. I mean, you know, come on, underdog. Jessamine Rice. Um, I foresee there being a movie about this for sure. <laughs> There's gonna be a movie. I mean, like, just think about it, you know, the all of the events leading up to it. It was such a cool experience. And I think in all reality, I think because of the circumstances that happened, I think that we can call this kind of a win for the racing industry just because it's going to bring so much attention to the racing industry in general, even from people who are not like as drawn in as we horse people are. It's the feel good Um, story with a couple of honestly what you consider good old boys. Absolutely. I just, I think there can't be a movie. Hold on. There can't be a movie though, because Eric Reed has to be played by Chris Farley and Chris Farley is dead. We can find something. But, yeah. but um, I just, in, in all honesty, I am blown away. I'm so excited that we had all this, regardless of what his future looks like. Uh, it was a great win for some people who really deserved it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I agree. And um, for me, you know, I, I have to go along with all of you guys. I don't see Rich Strike. Um, I do. I'll be honest with you. I see that horse probably placing well, but I don't see that horse winning either the Preakness or the Belmont. I'll be honest with you. If I honestly had to pick a horse to win the Preakness and the Belmont, it will be Epicenter. I am pulling hard for um, Crown Pride. I just I I I'll, because I really want to see that Japanese method infused into the United States as horse training. You know, they're letting that horse be, they're training that horse like a horse and not like a race horse, if that makes any sense. And I like that. So I am, I'm all team crown pride. I love the fact, I know, you know, there's a lot of horses that are American bred, this, that, and the other. Um, I have a great respect for Japanese culture. Uh, I love the Japanese people and I love their method of training horses and how they treat horses. And, you know, and, Man, I, I just I want to see that horse do well. I really do. But you know, part of me is, yeah, the Kentucky Derby was a fluke. Um, we're gonna see. I mean, you know, we got a preakness in what two weeks, and um, you know, if it's anything like this year's Derby, you gotta think the majority of those horses are gonna be there. And Man, this is this is going to shake out to be a hell of a year if you're a horse race fan. We may not have a triple crown winner, but we're going to have three really good races in the triple crown. Yeah, and uh, hopefully just like the uh, Kentucky Derby, another safe trip for all the horses because that's definitely, I know that's on everybody's mind when we see horse racing is a safe trip for all the horses. Oh, yeah, definitely. Safe trip for horses, jockeys, owners, trainers, the outriders, outright outriders, outriders, ponies that nobody gets eaten. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's easy to draw the conclusion that ah, this is an elitist sport, and at the end of the day, it's still horses. We all love horses, so we all love everything about it. I, you know, I'm sorry that there's a lot of people on the outside looking in that that see it from a different angle and there's a lot of things i think all of us wish we could change about the industry we're not any in any position that we can but i think the industry as a whole has made some great strides um when it comes to the well-being of the horse of course everything could be better 
But at the end of the day, we're fans of the horse and you know, that the jockeys and the horse for me, I could give two shits about the trainers and the owners. It's the jockeys and the horses. Sorry, Eric Reed. You, you are my spirit animal, but I love that man. Do, anyway, I do want to say one thing before we close is if anyone hasn't already seen the pictures and the footage of what rich strike was from his man eating to being handled by his actual groomer, by his actual groom, it's like night and day different. Like um, watching his groom handle him, he's a totally different horse. And it was, it's really cool. Like some people got some really good uh, photos of uh, the groom handling him, like the person who handles him the most out of anyone else. And it's yeah. just, it's so, if you get some time, anyone who's listening, go look up pictures of them because it's precious. You don't bite the hand that feeds you. No, definitely. Like like my red mare tried to murder Flo, but she would never do that to me. I just think it's awesome that Flo come out and spent two hours at my house just hanging out. My dump of a farm, but still. It was I, it was absolute pleasure. Plus, I mean, I, you there's know. worse farms out there, trust me. That is true. That's very it, true. At least all my shit's like shiny and fat. <laughs> very, very shiny, very fat, and they all look very happy. Oh, they're they're completely happy. They don't bite the hands that feed them. Trust me. <laughs> like, I'm broke because I feed them. <laughs> so, and Jessamine was was kind of jelly because she got you got to meet Leroy before she did. Oh, Leroy. Everybody loves Leroy. God, dog. I wish people liked me as much as they like Leroy. It's not gonna happen. Like Flo's like Flo looked at her husband. She's like, Can we can we go meet Leroy? Did I did. That was one thing I really wanted to do was meet Leroy. He was just standing off by himself and he looked grumpy and I was like He's doing grumpy donkey things. I was like, let's cheer this man up. And as soon as you walk up there, Leroy just like looks at Flo, looks at me, and then wanted the inside of his ear scratched. And then he followed us all the way up to the gate, like, okay, I'm here. Let's let's do this. He's a ham, man. He's I'm, I'm telling you, people that don't like donkeys have never owned a donkey. I will never do without a donkey. Like, I just love donkeys. They're the coolest thing ever. They're dogs. They're dogs with giant ears. I think my dog looks a little bit too much like a coyote for me to ever have a donkey. It'd be <laughs> Leroy would murder it. Don't bring your dog to my house. <laughs> Leroy, Leroy keeps like a tally in the barn. It's, he's got tally bars <laughs> in the barn full of his kills. And you look at him and you just look at him and you're like, there's no way he's going to, you know, use any, he's going to ignore any energy to do anything. No, oh, no. Let a small woodly creature come in wherever he's at. It's just dead. He bit the mule the other day. No, seriously, like it was a. So the only, all right, and I know we're trying to wrap up, but I got to tell this. So, okay, the pecking order in my paddocks are Foxy, Leroy, Layla, and the mule. And the only reason Leroy gets such a high spot is because Foxy thinks that's her boyfriend. She shares her grain with Leroy, and I have to shoo him off because he doesn't need it because, you know, donkeys get overweight really quick. They, they don't need grain. They just need hay-fed people. I'm telling you right now, your donkey does not need high-protein bullshit. They'll, they'll, they'll die. 
So I'll look over there and she'll take a bite and then she'll back off. And then all of a sudden Leroy will come in, get him a bite. Let another horse or that mule walk over there. Ain't happening. Ain't happening, Captain. They'll look like the outrider horse that 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 Rich Strike got a hold of. It will be missing damn chunks. Anyway, guys, thank you for listening to another episode of Behind the Horse's Eyes. 2022 uh, Kentucky Derby in the books. Rich Strike, our winner. I think we covered about everything we wanted to cover. Anybody's getting ideas for episodes, drop it below. Also, I want to thank our sponsors, audible.com. You can run on over to audible trial forward slash J Ryan Chastain. I know me and Hannah talked about it last week. I think she has over 80 books from audible.com. Greatest thing about it. You can run over there right now at audible trial forward slash J Ryan Chastain. Get your free audio book today. And guess what? If you decide not to continue with it, you get to keep the book. No purchase necessary there. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. I love getting a roundtable together. Flo Schmorgoner, Heather Hullett, Jessamyn Rice, Hannah Schroeder. Always a pleasure, you guys. I love you. I mean it. Y'all are some of my best friends. And thank you guys for listening. Thanks. Thank you.